Hello, friends. This is episode 98 of the Spirituality for Ordinary People podcast. My name is Matt Bruff. I'm a pastor and an author and your host. And we have a fantastic interview today about Ascension Pentecost and the growing time. Uh, This is coming out just after Ascension Day, but many churches will celebrate Ascension on the Sunday following uh, of 2021. And uh, but we have um, this season that comes after Pentecost that's coming up, which um, we focus on in this interview. Lots of us may not really follow the liturgical year too much, um, especially at this time of year. We might be familiar with things like Advent and Christmas and Lent and Easter. And uh, today I talked to Laura Allery about all of this and sort of what this season might uh, be like. Like, how do we mark this season in a different way than the rest of the year? The season after Pentecost is a really long season. Sometimes it's called ordinary time. And um, Laura's got some great ideas. Uh, She's actually a, a children's author and... What's interesting about Laura is that her books uh, for kids are these books with this incredible uh, depth to them. And um, and they're books that if you read them as an adult, I think you end up getting so much out of them understanding uh, what she's trying to put across. And this is the third book in a series uh, that it looks at different seasons in the church year and to try to help kids kind of enter into those seasons in ways that are actually helpful. And, um, uh, and so she does a fantastic job of, of like not talking down to kids, but in a way that if you're an adult listening to this, you really want to keep listening to this podcast because uh, Laura has so much wisdom to share around um, this particular season and also just kind of the, a continued season of of pandemic, but also uh, what it means to be outside and how we appreciate that. So she's got great things to say here. Um, I do recommend that you take a look at her book. Um, It's really beautiful and so well written. Uh, It's called Breathe, A Child's Guide to Ascension Pentecost and the Growing Time. And uh, the best place actually to find out more about her book I've found is actually at the publisher's website. So it's published by Paraclete Press. So if you go to paracletepress.com and just search for Breathe, or it may just come up on the front page for you, uh, you'll find it. Uh, Laura also has a website where you can find her at lauraallery.ca. One of the things that stood out for me in this interview was... Um, the difference in the seasons between uh, this, what she calls the growing time, and then what might be called preparation time. And so she st- she kind of saw um, the season of uh, all of the kind of high holy days, like, so you got Advent, Christmas, and then Epiphany, and then Lent, and then Easter, and sort of the Eastertide season that leads up to the day of Pentecost. She was kind of portraying that um, as as a long time of preparation for the longer uh, time of ordinary time or the growing time. And, uh, and so it kind of lent itself to, it got me thinking about how we spend a lot of time, especially in Advent and in Lent, on introspection and kind of looking inward. Uh, And then it is true that when we get to the story of Pentecost, the story of Pentecost is kind of this story about 
um, the followers of Jesus kind of going out. And it kind of fits well with this idea of we have introspection and then off we go out into the world. And, uh, and so it reminded me actually of my own books and, I've got um, three books that are, are connected to one another, and the latest one is called Let God Send. The first two were Let God Be God and Let God Be Present, which were much more kind of introspective. How, you know, how do we engage with God? How do we understand who God is in our lives? Um, how do we allow God to be present on God's terms and not our own agenda? Um, and then this third one, Let God Send, is very much about uh, allowing realizing that God is actually sending us out, like we are we are actually sent out. And this actually, I didn't intend this, but it really does model on what happens in the gospel stories where Jesus gathers his followers to himself and they spend a lot of time together, but he's also pushing them out with this message of incredible love for the world and, um, and wants that message to go out. So, um, that's sort of the movement of my books. I didn't intend that to model after the Gospels, but our liturgical seasons in some way are modeled in that same way. We have sort of these introspective type seasons and then these this longer season of going outside. And in particular in the Northern Hemisphere, um, it is a time of, of actually literally being outside more <laughs> and uh, enjoying creation and outdoors and, and maybe interacting with with people a little more, uh, which hopefully might coincide with, uh, with what might be happening where you're listening. There might be opportunities to interact with people a little more than we have in the last uh, year or 18 months. Um, so I, I would love it actually, if you would check out my latest book, um, and, uh, the best place to go is letgodsend.com. Uh, really easy. Uh, and, and something that's really great, my wife and I, Cheryl, uh, we have been working for a long time on a study guide. We had hoped to get this done last fall, um, but it actually just became a bigger project. Uh, and now, so now we have this study guide available uh, for you to use. So if you're interested in using Let God Send as uh, in a group of any kind, the the it's actually a leader's guide sorry i'm calling it a study guide it's a leader's guide for groups um and you can use this so if you were even in a church and you had multiple groups you can buy it once and you can use it across all the groups it's just a downloadable pdf but it's over 40 pages and so there's lots of content and lots of help and you can use it right out of the box so if you've got uh, a, a group that would be interested in looking at let god send as as like a book study um it goes over nine sessions uh, to coincide with the with the introduction and the eight chapters, and uh, so there's all kinds of help and resources um, part of that study guide. So I'd love it if you would check that out. So go to letgodsend.com and uh, check out the latest book that came out last year. Uh, you can uh, there are links there to buy direct from from me for ebooks and the study guide as well or the leader's guide. Uh, and there are links there to all of the other retailers. And then a really exciting thing that I didn't really make a huge deal about this when it happened, but uh, it's actually an audiobook form as well. So if you like listening to audiobooks, it's really well narrated. I didn't narrate my own audiobook, but um, it's really well narrated and uh, it's a pretty quick listen. So if you would like to get that, again, just go to letgodsend.com and 
you can find the links to the audiobook as well as to ebooks, paperback, hardcover even, uh, and also that leader guide. So I'd love it if you would check that out. But for now, here is my interview with Laura. I'm thrilled to have you back, Laura, on the podcast today. Uh, Laura is a fantastic author, a children's author, um, but all adults should read her books as well. <laughs> they're really great. Thank you for saying that, Matt. <laughs> um, and, uh, and you have a new book that is out uh, that is really timely for the season that we are just about to go into, uh, season in the church year. Uh, and that book is called Breathe, A Child's Guide to Ascension, Pentecost, and the Growing Time. So welcome, Laura. It's great to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very, very pleased to be here. It's been a while. Yeah. Um, so I kind of wanted to just jump right in to the new book because mm-hmm. I think uh, lots of people might have questions about liturgical seasons sometimes. And then this liturgical season, and you have two other books, we should say as well, that are kind of in the same series. Is that right? Can you just tell us a little bit about those as well, just so people kind of know the background? Yeah. So I've, I've, I've kind of um, gone full circle around the circle of the church year. That I have um, Look, A Child's Guide to Advent and Christmas, and then an earlier book, Make Room, A Child's Guide to Lent and Easter. So, um, you know, the subtitles tell you what those ones are about. Breathe is very similar in format. Um, it's got, I would say it has um, maybe a broader or more universal scope, but it does cover that particular arc of the liturgical year. Right. And I think like that's, it's interesting you say it as a, a broader arc or a like a, a maybe a broader appeal um, because uh, I think often when we get into this time of year, even people who are big proponents of the church year, it's kind of like a, it's almost like an ignored season, right? It's like, <laughs> well, and now we have this really long time that's just ordinary. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's not any of those high special days of like leading up to Christmas and having Advent and, and then Lent leading into Easter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, there's just this long time. Um, so, yeah, I think this is kind of an interesting book because we don't actually have a lot about this time when we think of liturgical seasons. No. And it's interesting talking to you about this because of course you and I are coming from the same denominational background. Mm And um, I was, (laughs) I was on a, not a podcast, but um, a zoom event with someone from the Episcopal church. And I, I was kind of, um, taken aback and a little bit embarrassed because as part of my presentation, I talked about this this long, unbroken stretch of green with no special days in it. And she said, well, actually, in our tradition, we have this and this and this and all of these various um, saints' days. And I thought, oh, my gosh. And a similar thing happened with um, an interview from a woman um, who's part of the Coptic Church. And she, too, said, no, not in a critical way, but just in a um, you know, sort of expanding on a tradition that m- maybe is richer than what I'm familiar with. So I, uh, you know, from my own perspective, I was trying to work with this half circle that was just green and did seem kind of um, like not punctuated by by anything very colorful at all. And even the name Ordinary Time, I mean, how dull can you get? Um, 
So, well, hey, my podcast is called Spirituality for Ordinary People. So this is the exact uh, this is the exact podcast for this book, right? Like the ordinary time for ordinary people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Like maybe we all need to catch up a little bit to some of the some of the traditions that are more uh, that have these feast days, and like that's not our tradition. We're Presbyterian, um, mm-hmm. but then like I feel like Presbyterians also like had to play a whole bunch of catch up, even with like things like Advent, um, <laughs> and uh, it took a long time for Presbyterians oh. to get into uh, into liturgical seasons a little more, and then seeing the value in them. And I think that's something that that you I, I know when we talked before that was something right. we talked about was the value of those liturgical seasons right. um so how do you see this like in in your latest book how do you see this um this long long i i want to ask about ascension and pentecost specifically but maybe uh before that how do you see that kind of like that uh that arc of green like that half year um which I, from you're calling the growing time. So how, how, how is that portrayed in the book or how do you see that personally too? Well, I'm going to take a step back and say that when I, when I set out to write this book, um, it was partly because the, the, the previous two felt like they still needed a companion. Mm-hmm. I wanted to um, finish off the series, and I wasn't sure how many books that was going to involve, but but I knew that I had those three great days. I had Christmas, Easter, and Pentecost. Um, and when I wrote Look and Make Room, I focused on those seasons of preparation leading up to the days, because that's how we experience them. Right. But then I didn't know what to do with Pentecost, so it actually took me years to figure out what form I wanted this book to have oh, okay. and what I wanted to say. And um, I'd always struggled with Pentecost, to be honest. I just didn't, okay. I, I didn't relate to that celebration and, and didn't really know what to make of it. So I've, I've been through this process as an adult of trying to kind of figure it out for myself. And ultimately what, because um, part of what makes Pentecost strange is that it doesn't have this preparatory season. You know, the, the celebration of Easter spills out past that first Sunday and we go into Easter tide and then, boom, we're at Ascension and Pentecost. Um, so I was kind of looking at the that big circle of the church year thinking, well, how do I treat Pentecost? And then I thought, well, what if Pentecost itself is... Um, n- I mean, it's a day, but it's also the threshold or the entryway into this whole new season of growth. So I started looking at the first half of the church year, that colorful half, as as a long time of preparation when all of these stories about, um, you know, the, the words and the deeds of Jesus are kind of dropping into us like seeds into soil. Um, and then at Pentecost, they start to germinate, and that's our opportunity to bring them to life, really, in our own time and place. And that was, um, for me, a really helpful way of thinking about what that long stretch of green is. That's the time when we kind of embody what we've been absorbing up until that point. Um, and it also dovetails so nicely with what's happening all around, excuse me, all around us in the Northern Hemisphere anyway. It's such a season of growth and transformation. So for me, um, Pentecost took on additional meaning in relation to that time that follows. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's really good. I like the idea of uh, of this long season of preparation and and sort of like dividing the year into two in a way. Like you have all of it leading up to Pentecost, and then that sort of kicks you into something different um, into this new season. Uh, I really like that. Um, I was reflecting. Uh, this might have been even last year. Uh, with a friend about uh, the effect of the the pandemic on our understanding of like of Easter, in particular Easter Sunday, but it sort of led to Easter tide feeling a lot more like Lent and feeling like um, uh, like Easter tide was a little more of a season of preparation. Um, and and I think it's just because there's so much more uncertainty. Like it, it there's not a lot of like trumpet fanfare in a in a pandemic. Um, for Easter and, and this, this season of like, maybe not as celebratory as it's been. Um, and it's, so it has sort of felt like an extension mm-hmm. of Lent and this was last year and now we do it. We've done it again, uh, two years. Um, but it, it made me think a little bit differently about Easter tide as well as, uh, even when we look at the first, uh, Easter season mm-hmm. or the first Easter stories, there's actually a fair amount of uncertainty, uh, in those stories, and it's actually Pentecost that seems to be like the the massive uh, explosion of activity that takes place. Whereas before they're kind of hiding and unsure and don't really mm-hmm. know what's going to happen. And it's when the Holy Spirit kind of shows up at Pentecost that it becomes this this bigger movement of of what's going to be happening uh, for the rest of the story. So, um, so I kind of like that idea of maybe we're still maybe we're still in preparation mode a little bit. Well, I like what you say about the the uncertainty. Um, because that's something that I've tried to bring out in Breathe. Mm. Now, Breathe doesn't, it, it doesn't elaborate on Easter tide, but what, that is when we jump into the story. It's prior to Ascension when this okay. book starts. And as I was preparing to write it, I spent quite a lot of time just sitting with the story um, and, and wondering about it. And the thing that kept coming over me. And of course, this was prior to COVID, right? I'm writing this before this. Um, but I was really struck by the, um, by the sense of fear and anxiety in the disciples. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the, the, like the mysteriousness and the, the strangeness of the resurrection appearances, because you're right, they're, they're not stories that are full of trumpets and fanfare they're they're kind of they're kind of weird and <laughs> and scary like uh, there's the coming and going and it's all so mysterious but then here's this announcement that yes i'm back but i'm going i'm going away again um you know their hopes are raised and then they they kind of crash again um there's a lot in that even when i i'm getting ahead of myself a little bit and, and getting to ascension um but that's a really, it's a really hard story and a sad story in a lot of ways. And I think that maybe last Easter and this Easter, we're feeling that. It was already there in the story, but we're noticing it more because we're experiencing it. Right, for sure. So can you tell us a little bit about, um, well, actually, I, sh- I kind of just want to ask you about what, what you didn't like about Pentecost or how, how this wasn't the story that you necessarily <laughs> related to. We should just go there. Why don't we go there and then we can talk more. Do you want to, we'll do you want to talk about Ascension first or do you want me to jump right into Pentecost? Uh, sure. Let's let's talk about Ascension first. We'll, we'll get to your reluctance around Pentecost. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's talk about Ascension. What I'd love to know as well is just... Um, 
like what's a great way of explaining the ascension to kids uh, or t- I shouldn't say explaining actually that's yeah. not necessarily the best word what's a good way of talking about the ascension or talking about this day to to kids okay thanks for that clarification because I was actually going to um pick on the word yeah. <laughs> pick on the word to explain um ascension is is difficult because it is such a strange story really um if you take it too literally it just sounds absurd I mean Jesus floats up into the outer atmosphere and then what? Like, um, but it's also emotionally complicated. Um, like I say, there's, there's um, saying goodbye to a beloved friend. There's this unwelcome change. Um, and I've tried to incorporate some of that into breathe. And can I just read a small section? Oh yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. So this is the, this is the narrator. The, the book is narrated, um, or parts of it are from the point of view of a child. So that's the I. Sometimes I hold my breath when I'm scared or when something hurts a lot. Saying goodbye to someone you love hurts. When they go, they leave an empty space no one else can fill. Other people come, but it is not the same. I wonder why Jesus came back to his friends only to go away again. Why did he get their hopes up? That must have hurt. They must have been afraid. And then it kind of goes on reflecting a little bit about change. Um, So I think that I think that when it comes to talking about ascension with children, where I would begin is simply telling the story. um, And in godly play, um, we tell it using the Christ candle. And then when you extinguish the light, you um, draw the children's attention to the way, you know, we do, um, I guess the language is the light that was in one place and at one time is changed so that it can be in every place and at every time. And I can't really think of a better way of expressing that. Um, and then you pay attention to the way the smoke spreads through the room and how how the light is present, but you have to use different senses to experience it. So in other words, you have it's still there, but you have to know it in a new way, not with our eyes. And there's something that's really um, powerful about that. So I, I, that's the way I would tend to tell it, is using a, um, a simple, um, I was going to say a visual, but it's not just visual, it's multi-sensory. Um, but then ask some of those wondering questions, like, you know, is there anything that you don't like about this story? Is there anything that um, makes you sad or worried? Have you ever had to say goodbye to somebody you love? Um, I wonder if there's things in your life that have changed. I wonder how we know that the light is still with us. So just kind of, um, yeah, making space for, for children to wonder and talk openly about their own struggles with change. That's, I think, how I would approach ascension. Uh, that's really great. And I think there's kind of a, like there's something implicit there that um, that maybe lots of adults wouldn't necessarily pick up in the story of the ascension, is that it's, it's a story that actually brings up us uh, dealing with significant change. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, 
we we might associate that more with Holy Week, mm-hmm. um, but than we would Ascension. Um, again, Ascension, like I think of sort of the the classic hymns of Ascension Sunday, and they're they're really big, they're really <laughs> triumphant, and it's all celebration. Um, but to put yourself in the story as one of those disciples that, oh, like this, when Jesus died, and then it was really hard. Mm-hmm. And then three days later, we got to see him again. And now we've seen him again for a whole bunch of days. Uh, there's been these appearances, and it's been, there's been anxiety, it's been uncertain, but we actually have seen him. Mm-hmm. But now we're not going to see him again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like leaning into that, I, I think that's really interesting to lean into that. And then, yeah. and then to try to think about what it means for Jesus to be present with us now, um, even though we don't see him. Um, mm-hmm. that's kind of, I love that. So any hymn writers out there, take note. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, let's talk about Pentecost then. Um, and can we start with like your own reluctance around Pentecost? I think that's, I think that's great. Let's do that. I'm a very, very introverted person and I was a shy child. And I think that this probably um, works into this story. Um, to be honest, when I was a kid, the Pentecost story freaked me out. Yeah. And I, I think, I think it was the idea of, um, well, for one thing I should say too, it was always the story from Acts. So the idea of taking refuge, like being afraid, taking refuge in a place you thought was safe, a locked room, um, and then having the doors blown open by some kind of supernatural power that forced everybody out into the street. It's, it's really, or it felt to me intrusive, aggressive, terrifying. Um, I mean, even, even just the other languages, there was something kind of like uncontrolled and, um, Yeah, I just found it really frightening. And I don't think I'd ever said that to anybody. I certainly never (laughs) said it out loud until this year when I was um, doing some promotional work around Breathe. And I read a blog post by another writer who said much the same thing. And I thought, yes, you know, (laughs) I wasn't the only one. (laughs) Anyway, but the reason that's relevant. Oh, and I should say, too. So that was kind of an emotional um, reaction to Pentecost, but I had an intellectual struggle too, because as a child, I couldn't figure out or make sense of who or what this spirit was. I was just going to say as well, um, I I've, I know I've started a number of sermons on Pentecost Sunday with pretty much the sentence, this is a really weird story. <laughs> like this is, this is a really bizarre story. I mean, there's lots of weird stories in the Bible, but um but I think like actually having that acknowledged by somebody, uh, whether it's like a minister or a teacher or somebody to just say like, yeah, there's some really weird things going on here. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of, um, it's kind of strange. Like I would think that if you're, especially if you're even new to, to faith or new to church or something like that, and you, you're listening in on Pentecost Sunday, you'd be thinking, what? what is going on here? Like, what? like yeah. if nobody acknowledges the stra- even just the strangeness of it, um, like I would think like, why is no, why is everyone sitting here as though this is normal? Like, <laughs> well, even art, you know, if you look at Pentecost art and you try to imagine that you don't know the story, that you're just seeing yeah. the representation for the first time. And there's little bits of fire on people's heads. And like, what, what would you think is happening? Right. It's very, very <laughs> odd. Um, yeah. So the other thing I was going to say is, as a child, this whole question about who or what this spirit was, Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, I, I had a steady diet of, of stories from the Bible when I was young. Um, so I, I, I don't know whether I actually articulated this in Sunday school or just wondered it all in my head, but I kept thinking, all right, you're telling me that this spirit is some new gift to the infant church, but what about Genesis? What about the spirit hovering over the water? What about the spirit fluttering over Jesus at his baptism? Are they different spirits? Um, was there something insufficient about them? Like, why is there another one? Why, um, I just found it really baffling. Hmm. So, yeah, I had, a, I guess, I guess I had a few issues with Pentecost that, that I had to uh, work through as an adult before I felt like I could even begin to write about it for children. Yeah. Okay. So, how did you work through those? Um, how did I work through it? Well, um, so I guess I guess there's two things I did. Um, first of all, this whole connection between um, Pentecost and the birthday of the church, I, I like that. I like the image of the birthday. I think it's relatable for children, um, and it's also a fun way to celebrate. But in order for it to make sense to me, I had to put a little twist on it. Um, because when I think about birthdays, I think it's a celebration of someone, you know, that who they are and what difference their presence makes in the world. So I asked myself, who is it that we're celebrating at Pentecost? Because as a kid, it was always, it's the church's birthday. So here's a cake for the church and let's sing happy birthday to the church. Um, so I found myself thinking about when my kids were little and we would have these birthday dinners. Um, and as part of that, I, I would tell their birth stories and, you know, I'd kind of narrate how much we looked forward to their coming and, um, you know, how I felt when I saw them for the first time and the things they learned over the years. And so it was just a, a celebration of who they were. And it all kind of boiled down to, we love you. We're so glad you're here with us. And we look forward to growing with you. So when I apply that to Pentecost, it's actually the spirit that I imagine we're talking to and saying, we love you. We're so glad you're here with us. We look forward to growing with you. So when I think about the, excuse me, when I think about the birthday party, it's not just a party for the church. It's a celebration of the spirit. So that kind of changes things for me. Um, the other thing that made a difference for me and that I tried to do in, in Breathe um, is to sort of bring to the fore the fact that the Bible tells this story in more than one way. So more often than not, we hear the story from Acts um, because it's colorful, it's exciting, um, <laughs> it's weird, <laughs> but there's a lot to it. Um, but the Gospel of John has its own version and I suppose, I mean, we could quibble about whether or not it actually is a Pentecost story, but it is um, a, a recounting of the giving of the Spirit, yeah. and it's very, very different. So, you know, in Acts, we've got the violent wind and the fire and the noise, the energy. Um, but in John, we have Jesus basically just exhaling and saying, receive the Spirit. So, Sometimes I will only slightly tongue-in-cheek refer to those as Pentecost for extroverts and introverts. Um, and I've got them both in Breathe because I think that, well, for two reasons. One is I think that different readers relate to different elements of both those retellings. 
Um, But also when you have two versions of a story, it helps you remember that it is, in fact, a story that you're dealing with. And it's probably wise not to um, over-literalize, but instead to focus on what the stories mean. So, you know, these, these strong themes like the power of words, our connection to one another, the presence of this life-giving energy that is in us and all around us. Um, yeah, so I, I guess what, what it all boils down to for me is it's one spirit. Hmm. So Pentecost reminds us that God is not far away. Um, God is close in us, as close as our own breath around us. Um, and so once we, once we really begin to grasp that, I think we can start to see the sacred in places where we hadn't looked for it before, in other people, in the world around us. Um, and, and the more we do that, the more we kind of fall in love with the world. And that's when things get really exciting because then we're sort of inwardly motivated to, to care and to, um, yeah, to take up the responsibility that that love brings. Can you tell me more about the main title of your book about breathe? Like, is that, is that coming, is that connecting to the, to the John telling this? Um, it, Breathe. I'm actually glad you asked that question because I spent a lot of time trying to come up with this title, as simple as it seems. Um, no, no, I totally understand. Well, you know about titles, <laughs> Titles right? are hard. <laughs> they are hard. And in this case, because I'd written the two other books, I had, I'd given each of those, I mean, there's the long subtitle that kind of says sure. more, yeah. but, but the main title, I tried to um, encapsulate the, I guess the, the essence of the story in one word. So, um, you know, look was about attentiveness or directing our gate in a certain way. Make room was about um, creating space and so on. Um, So breathe, partly it allowed me to, I I wanted to find a word that would relate both to the growing time and to Pentecost. So the fact that, as you know, um, in both Hebrew and Greek, spirit and breath are the same word. Mm -hmm. I liked the fact that I could use one term both to refer to the story of Pentecost and the gift of the spirit, and then to this um, sort of more broadly to this period of life and growth and transformation that follows it. So breathe kind of tied them both together. Um, The word is also an allusion to the practice of mindfulness. So, you know, when people get stressed or anxious, we remind them to breathe Mm -hmm. because our breath is so, so tied to all of our physical and mental functions. Um, Like I've struggled with anxiety over the years. And I think one of the things that's helped me most has been mindfulness practices. Um, And I've shared them with children. And so if you, you know, if, if you read, breathe, knowing that you'll kind of see that theme popping out a lot. Um, But then the other thing about the title that was really important to me. Um, I I said earlier that the book kind of has a universal scope. Everyone and everything that is alive breathes. So I think of our breath as something that connects us not only to all other human beings, but to other living things as well. Um, And 
I, I just like when I look back over the past year, a couple of things come to mind. One is last summer and the the um, the grief and the outrage over the killing of George Floyd. Mm-hmm. What's the phrase that that just yeah. hit everybody? It's I can't breathe. And we we respond to that viscerally because we all know what happens to us when we can't breathe. We know that fear. Um, and then COVID-19 preys on the same fear, right? Like not not being able to to breathe. That that balance of inhale and exhale is something that, well, like I say, connects us to to one another and to the world around us. So it kind of um, points to that universal outlook. So that's a, a whole lot in one little word. And I'm proud of the title, but I <laughs> I said to somebody the other day, I'll know that I'll know that the book has kind of got a foothold when I can put breathe into the Amazon search box and actually bring up my book and not those nasal strips. (laughs) (laughs) That might take some time. Amazon is a little thing, a little hard thing to, to trick there. Um, Anyway, that's what lies behind the title. So that's, that's really great. Um, I think too, just like a little thing that you had said in the middle of all of that or or before was just um you know the hebrew word right for for spirit um and and you'd mentioned um the genesis story kind of the spirit of god hovering over the over the waters or is it you know is it the breath of god hovering over the waters is it the wind of god hovering over the waters um and then we have like i like the two pentecost stories because you have like this strong violent wind um, and then the Holy Spirit shows up, and then in Jesus uh, appearing to his disciples, you have this breath that comes from Jesus on mm-hmm. the disciples. So you actually have the Spirit showing up, I think, in those in all of those places, um, and and in in very different ways. Like it's the same thing, but they're all in different, very different ways, right? Like the, yes. um, and I imagine the uh, disciples. Um, that if Jesus is breathing on them, like what would, what would their initial response would actually, I think would be to breathe in, mm-hmm. right? Like that if, I mean, it's a weird thing during COVID to talk about <laughs> people breathing <laughs> yes. on one another, but, but I think if Jesus was, was breathing out on them, they, the first thing would be kind of this, oh, just to, to, to automatically just receive it, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's sort of what would happen. And I think that's, to me, that's a really kind of beautiful and intimate image. And then, mm-hmm. but then yes, God sometimes does do really dramatic and what can feel like really quite violent things. Like the wind blows through and blows the doors open. Yeah, mm-hmm. God's capable of doing those massive things. But sometimes mm-hmm. as well, it's this uh, just just a, a little bit of breath that is the spirit, right? So I yeah. kind of love that there's both of those that that you can draw our attention to in the book. I think that's really great. Mm-hmm. The very flexible image. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. Um, we talked a little bit about what you mean by, uh, by the growing time, because that's kind of, it's a child's guide to Ascension, Pentecost, and the growing time. Mm-hmm. Can you say a little more about what you what you would mean by the growing time? Is it really about our, our growing faith? Is it, I mean, I know it connects to, um, in, in our hemisphere, in our part of the world, it connects to everything is growing. Like I, I'm looking out my window as though people on the podcast are going to know that I'm looking out my window. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and uh, and seeing you know new growth on the trees at the beginning of May. Um, is that is that the whole thing? Is there more that we should be paying attention to or wondering about in this season as we go into this season? Well, I think one of the things that looks different for me is that um, I I pay even um, I pay more attention to what's happening um, in the natural world around me because I spend more time in it. This sure. might not be true of everybody. Um, I, I live in a neighborhood. I'm fortunate to live in a neighborhood where there are trees and walking paths and I can get outside, but you know, I can't just strap on a pair of cross country skis and be out my back door. And um, so I do spend more time outside uh, walking by the lake um, gardening um you know this year uh, a robin has built a nest right outside (laughs) my sliding doors so I'm always kind of um conscious of of these cycles of life and growth they're they're always with us but I'm just I'm more aware of them Hmm. at this time of year I think sure um I think that's true for me too and I think that that I, I for me, I guess that contributes. Um, it, it contributes to that sense of connection that I'm talking a lot about in this book, um, and the related sense of awe and wonder, um, which again are not confined to a particular time of year. But I, I guess as as wonderful as I find the liturgical celebrations and sort of entering into the stories in the first half of the year. Um, I also have the potential to get distracted by them. And there's something about the spaciousness and the openness of the second half that allows me maybe to, um, to be less concerned about, you know, finding, finding ways to observe Advent at home or, those are all important, but, but now I just have, I just have space and time just to, to, to be out there and to watch the clouds and to see the flowers that are coming up at any given time or to check out my milkweed and see, see if any butterflies are coming. I wonder too, if um, like the times of Advent and Lent, especially, um, but even all the way through, there's actually not that much space like you said in between you know sort of once we get to epiphany and then lent like i always feel like oh lent got here so fast there really isn't Mm -hmm. that much time in there um and and i wonder if those seasons end up sort of um and this might again be true more of the northern hemisphere where it's kind of the uh you know it's it's a there's less light in the day and things like that, but it seems like a more introspective time. Like it seems like a little more internal and not that we're not engaging with the world in those times we are. And then this season seems a little more like for you, you're leaning towards the natural world. But I, I might even say like, um, even, even when you look at the book of acts or you look at the the story of the flow of Jesus, it's sort of like, well, we're here together as a group of people where there's a, there's formation going on. Mm-hmm. And the end of this Jesus story is, and now there's a whole world out there 
off you go, you know? <laughs> um, well, and we are, and we are outside more. So that's not, as you say, you're not only engaging with nature, but you're also interacting more with people. Like right. Your neighbors are out in their backyards and you see more people on the streets. And um, so there's something, yeah, there is something that's a little bit more sociable perhaps about this time of sure. year. I was also thinking too, when, when you said, oh my gosh, you know, Lent came so quickly. I think for those who are involved in, leadership in one way or another within the church oh my goodness that stretch leading from uh leading from ad well (laughs) practically from advent through to easter actually and in some years it's really compressed um it's it's hard to get much breathing space really right i was gonna say this is is this this book is it may be required reading for for clergy um because when we get to um Easter tide is now finished. We can we can start to we can breathe a little bit until yeah, <laughs> until September. You're, well, you're always in whatever season you are. You're always thinking about the next season and planning for that and trying to right. whether it's write sermons or construct rituals or or do things that will will help other people experience these special times. And then, whew, you know, <laughs> Pentecost comes, and then you can kind of settle back and just just have some have some time to be yeah that's really good i love that um we are we all know we're still uh in kind of lockdown modes and things like that at least uh where we are um you're in ontario i'm in manitoba Mm -hmm. and um you know, this has taken a toll on families, on teachers, um, obviously on healthcare workers. Um, but I know while I've got a children's author and someone who has really thought about, um, you know, what can be helpful for uh, for kids, like what can kids be doing? And maybe going outside is one of the best things, right, right now. Um, but also what could churches be doing as we uh, go into sort of more extended times of not gathering in person um, as churches and not necessarily being able to connect with friends or family in the same ways and, and just that being a long, long haul. Do you have thoughts about that or? I, I have thoughts. I'm not sure that I, I don't know whether what I have to share is going to be um, illuminating because I'm, I'm sharing it not only as uh, the writer of children's books, but also as a parent of three kids who have been in virtual school, like in and out, back and forth, that whole, yeah. all the oscillation and uncertainty. So I get the fatigue, the tiredness that people are experiencing. And I kind of feel like the last thing I want to be doing is heaping people with suggestions for things they should do. So I I think my mantra these days, which I would share is simplicity. Like I'm right now, I'm about less rather than more. Um, Spend more time outside. Like what I, I guess what I'm for myself anyway, in my family, I'm thinking, okay, what can I do that will actually give us a break from the things that have been so draining for us? So going outside is part, just simple stuff, going for walks, taking the Frisbee to a green space if there is one. Um, Contemplative photography is actually something that I really enjoy and anybody of any age can do. You don't have to have super fancy equipment. In fact, 
um, my son, I, I'd been encouraging him to get out and do some exercise because I thought it would be good for him both mentally and physically. And he was kind of resistant. But then um, just this quad in school, he started taking a digital photography course. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, he's hanging out at the, the local park, taking all sorts of close-up photographs of plants and like beautiful stuff but i think that not only is it getting him outside but it's also giving him a different perspective on the the world around him and maybe even on his own life um the other thing i'm really trying to do and encouraging my kids to do as well is to stop multitasking (laughs) like just Hmm. do one thing so for instance if there's a particular um kind of music you want to listen to just listen to music. Hmm. Go out and take a blanket and put it out in the yard and just lie there and listen. Don't just have it going in the background. Um, you know, if your kids are younger, rather than getting into all kinds of fancy craft projects, just get some really basic art supplies, paint, glue, boxes, crayons, you know, just kind of lay it out and let your kids create what they want preferably out of doors. Um, Let yourself and your kids get bored. (laughs) That's great. That's, um, that's something that I I think a lot of kids don't experience enough. I mean, as a parent, I hear I'm bored, I'm bored, but I grew up as an only child. And I know from my own experience that sometimes you have to hit that boredom threshold before your own creativity really kicks in because it's too easy especially nowadays to have somebody else or something or some device kind of occupy your mind right um yeah my default response when my daughter said she's bored like from a very early age is okay yeah (laughs) that's a good answer thanks for for letting me know yeah (laughs) stay with that for a while um (laughs) So when I think about churches, how can how can churches be helpful? Um, I know that many churches over the past year have been well have been trying and uh, trying so hard in so many ways to keep connected. And you know, for 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 some of them, um, it was through uh, through social media or through digital means. Mm-hmm. Um, and perhaps in, in some cases, maybe that's been really successful. I think that um, a lot of people are just tired, tired, tired of looking at screens. So one thing that a number of congregations have done, and I think works really well this season, is to put together some kind of seasonal box or basket and distribute those to um, to households within the congregation. And they can be really simple. Like I'm thinking about Pentecost um, like a, a you know a cake mix or a cupcake mix to to uh, to celebrate the spirit and little birthday candles, um, instructions or supplies for making pinwheels or um, <clears throat> I don't know little paper boats, um, supplies for art projects maybe um, little uh, for the growing time flower pots little bags of potting soil. Um, sort of pollinator-friendly plant seeds or herbs, um, 
one one idea I've I've mentioned in a couple of different places, but I still get a kick out of it is this idea of of having families grow up uh, or other households grow a Pentecost salad. So different households in the community have a con- are given a container in potting soil and a particular kind of plant. So somebody gets a tomato and somebody's doing lettuce and somebody's doing um, chives and. And so they they all grow and sort of keep in touch about how the plants are doing. And then at a certain time, if public health permits it, everybody harvests their stuff and put it together and and um, and share it. Right. And then that could also dovetail into like a confession <laughs> practice if somebody's like killed their tomatoes. <laughs> And they could, you know, they could have to come to the group. I'm really sorry. Oh. My chives. Yeah. <laughs> that would be, that'd be me. Thankfully, my wife has, grows things really well. She does a great job, but that would be me if I was responsible for it. There's also, I mean, Breathe kind of suggests a whole bunch of different um, prayer practices yeah. and mindfulness practices that, that are super simple and mm-hmm. you can do outside, like, um, you know, making up your own breath prayers, painting stones that that can connect with that, mm-hmm. um, painting garden stones as markers. Um, uh, I had this is my this is actually my second pandemic book. I had one come out last April um, called "What Grew in Larry's Garden," and in that, that, there's a story about a teacher who does this tomato project, and so his kids raise tomato plants and then they. They give them to people in their community. So part of the project is to pay attention to the people around you you don't necessarily know very well, but who, um, you know, whose lives, whose paths cross yours in one way or another. And then identifying, okay, who do I think um, really needs this plant? And then you have to write a letter to that person expressing your thanks or explaining why they were chosen as the recipient of the gift. Um, so it's kind of a, it's a cool project and it's something that, you know, you could do in, in different settings in a congregation or for a family. Um, and, you know, writing, writing notes is just a, a great old fashioned way to connect with people too, or even doing a, um, uh, what's the term? I, I want to say a chain letter. That's not what I mean. I mean, a like a letter that goes, <laughs> that goes from one household to the next and people add to it. And, um, making, making cards, um, stamping, pressing flowers. Like there's lots of ways of bringing the, the outdoors and things that you can do with your hands, Mm. um, and then creating something that you can then share with others in your community. Right. Um, that's really great. Those are amazing suggestions. That's so great. Um, I think something that I would want to encourage people around as well, and maybe this connects to, uh, you know, don't multitask or, you know, find ways to just be, um, (laughs) just uh, be outside. Um, But I think for churches, like there can also be a lot of uh, stress amongst church leadership or amongst church members about like, oh, my church isn't doing this or we haven't done a great job of that. And I think we have those same stresses in our families as well, or in our lives, like, Oh, have I, have I done a good job of parenting? And this has been chaos. I like, I think one of the big things is how do we, um, how do we actually practice grace with ourselves and with our communities? And um, I I am actually encouraged by um, 
<laughs> this is again back to Pentecost. I'm, I'm encouraged by the story of Pentecost because the disciples generally are anxious and are worried and and then the Holy Spirit shows up and they actually didn't have any thing to do with that really <laughs> you know like they 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 got brought along by god and to me the story of the holy spirit is very much that the holy spirit or god is active in the world that god is already active like to me that's something that okay you know i could have probably done a better job of something but i believe that god is actually at work so i you know um someone's going to find their way to connect. Like if I haven't done the best job as a church leader, I haven't done the best job as a parent or something like that. Mm-hmm. God is at work. Like I, I can, I can somehow rest in that a little bit. It doesn't mean I don't have things to do. Um, but, but I find some comfort in knowing that God is actually doing things. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. The, the grace, grace toward ourselves as well as others. And that, uh, yeah, that degree of trust is, is an important part of the important part of the story that we, um, yeah, that, that informs our own experience. Uh, Laura, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, it's been so much fun talking to you today. It's been a pleasure, Matt. (laughs) And, um, can, where's a good place for people to go if they've made it to the end of this interview and, uh, and they think, Oh, I want to find out more about Laura and all of her books. How do I do that? Where should they go? I do have a website, which is um, Laura Allery, L-A-U-R-A-A-L-A-R-Y dot C-A. So um, you can go there and see a description of all of my books. Um, you can also, if, if you're specifically interested in Breathe, you could go to the publisher's website. That's paracletepress.com. Um, it's also available through Amazon, through bookshop.org, uh, for Canadians, through Chapters Indigo. Um and in fact, the publisher's website has kind of a um, like a preview feature. Mm-hmm. And there's also, speaking of families and, and activities, there's um, on the, the listing for the page, there's a little button that says discussion guide. Mm-hmm. Uh, the discussion guide is actually about four pages of activities, like just really simple extension activities that are based on the book. So there's um, prayer I, beads. I and saw a pinwheel in there. Yeah. Yes, there is a pinwheel in there too. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm hoping that, and that's free. It's, you can just download it. So, I'm hoping that that will be uh, maybe fun and useful for for some folks this summer. And um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, thanks again for being here. I really appreciated it. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. I hope you enjoyed this episode, this interview with Laura Allery. Again, go and check out paracletepress.com and search for her book there, Breathe. Uh, I know you will really enjoy having that as part of your collection. And uh, if, again, you're interested in my books at all, go and check out the latest book at letgodsend.com. And that's a place where you can... Um, find links to all the places that you can get the book or uh, audiobook, ebook, paperback, and hardcover. Uh, and that uh, leader guide that my wife and I developed recently, um, you can find all of that there. So head over to letgodsend.com and check it out. All right, thanks for listening today and take care.